So let's talk about a million dollars ain't a million dollars. So that's that's you got to do you, that. Your math game got to be thorough. So don't. It depends on what the number look like. That's why I say once again, if you're going in a building, you got to understand what going in the building really means. Like going in the building don't look like what you think it look like. So, Brother Kokai. What's up, sir? I am excited for this one. You you one of those people that I didn't do season one because I felt like I had to get my chops up. Whatever. And I, I want to start with <laughs> whatever. Nah, let me let me keep it a buck. Uh, the reason this podcast exists is you and I did one of the IG lives. Okay. And that convo was so refreshing because it's what we do without all this shit. Right. And when you put it out and people were hitting me in the DMs like, man, I really enjoyed that convo with Kokai. Man, I learned a lot, man. You should do that more. That gave me the battery in my back to be like, all right, let me go ahead and and record the podcast myself and have these convos that I have and put them out. So it's why I couldn't just come right back to you and, and do one season one. You did such a great job with me and Marcus and all the folks. Who, you, I was like, let me let me build my chops up. Let me build it up. Right. So thank you. I got to give you your flowers and, and publicly say, but again, you've been pushing me to do this for years, but, but publicly say, if it's not for you, this doesn't even happen. So I appreciate thank that. you, brother. Thank you, man. So I'm, I'm going to start here uh, before you even introduce yourself. Hey, look at that. Anytime somebody got their name on a book. Yes, sir. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put respect on their name. So respect on it, man. <laughs> You are ketchup and other fly music tales. Yes, sir. Other Kokai. Man, like, obviously, there are going to be people who watch and listen to this who know you. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I like to do is, is have the guests introduce themselves because there's also going to be people who have no idea who you are. So, who is Kokai? Um, I am a multidisciplinary artist, musician, songwriter, singer creative producer um part-time comedian sometimes <laughs> like nah man just you know um author now amen um and grammy nominated uh that that us has also been in the cards um uh person who wants to see a lot of people win that's what I would say. I want to see people win, like, especially my people. Like, let's keep it a, a solid mean. I mean. If you already got the leg up, I feel you. But I want to see us strive in levels of exec being executives of music companies, running our own joints, putting out quality music, learning how to mix master and do all the things, keeping a publishing, knowing how to navigate the road, getting on planes. Like, that for me is, like, the biggest thing. I never want to see... Um, uh, artists sign any deals that I had signed before in my life. So mm -hmm. I try to, you know, keep people aware of in perpetuity, jointly and severally liable, uh, you know, and, and mind your percentages and all of that other stuff. So that's me. I'm an advocate for, for artists and uh, both for their mental health. Um, and especially, which was the impetus of the book is like, to get some information, real information, right? From somebody who actually does it. Um, and a, to keep it in a space where it's the most realistic 
conversation that you can have about the music business possible. That's what I wanted to relay in the book. I think that's at the core of my person. That's who I am. I really like helping people. I ain't no problem. Mm -hmm. I really like giving people information. I feel like there's no better thing that you could possibly do. Um, and giving people information does not mean that you keep yourself from a bag or, you know, that's all scarcity. I'm, I'm trying to stay away from all of that. Um, so yeah, that's who I am. Oh, and, and I feel like there's two words I'll add to your list. Um, and then when I speak with other people, they usually use these words for you. You're definitely a teacher and you're definitely a mentor. Like I feel like, you know, you've spent a lot of time in, in any of our buildings or studios. And I've always admired just sitting and watching you interact with creatives uh, and, and kind of seeing like light bulbs go off as you're explaining your situation, which we'll go to get into. Um, and then you've always been open. You've always been easy to reach, easy to connect with anyone I've shared your contact with and said, hey, Coke, young artist. Uh, it's, it's never about just the music. For me, it's more the relationship and them getting a chance to learn from you uh, musically. But also, like you said, that mental health, that, that yeah, man. yo, man, like, what, what's your vision? How you doing this? How you feeling? Like, right. you know, you're one of the few and, and it's a less than handful of people who give me a how you doing, bro, text. And it's just that never the dot, dot, dot. While we at it, can I get you're one of the right, people exactly. who literally just how you doing checking in. Right. So you, you're definitely a teacher and a mentor. And, and I appreciate you for that. Thank you, brother. Yeah. So so let's go into, you know, we've had this combo before, but let's go into kind of like the early days. So Kokai knows he's a talented musician with, with aspirations. Talk, walk me through like the early, early successes and, and lessons that you went through as an artist. Well, that actually that that statement was is is untrue. I did not feel like I was an artist. I did not feel like I was creative enough. I did not feel like I was good enough mm. uh, in a lot of situations. So um, I never wanted to be an MC. I never wanted to rap. I wow. wanted to write songs for other people. Yeah, wow. that was really how it was. I was a beatbox in the, in the group because I was like, I ain't rapping. I'm not doing that. Like, I don't want to do all that. Like, that's y'all do that. I'm going to write the songs. And y'all could do the songs like I don't want to be on stage. And that a lot of that was from insecurity. A lot of that was from uh, just not understanding being my true self. Um, and as I wrote more and then I fell in love with the art of freestyling. So freestyling was for me was the fun part because I just hang out with my friends, play some beats and then I'm rapping, you know, and then I started writing, you know, the raps that I was writing. I would have to, if I was writing them for somebody, I have to record them so then you know how to write to say the rap. And then it just became like, why don't you just say it? Um, and as I got better at freestyling, as I got better at writing, as I got better at all this other stuff, then it was um, my 12th grade English teacher who put me in a play. Mm who put me in a play. Uh, I went to Archbishop Carroll. At the time, it was all boys. But he put me in a play. The Christmas, the Carroll Christmas, Christmas Carroll Christmas special. Right. So he put me in that play, Mr. Mumford. I ducked his class for like three years. Like, I just was like, nah. And then my man, Tuji, who I went to elementary school with, um, and actually who was best friends with Sub-Z, who ends up being my rap partner later, Tuji was in my grade. Sub was a, a year older than us. 
Um, and me and Tucci went to elementary together. Terrence went to elementary. Zub went to elementary with us at Patterson. Then me and Tucci went to Assumption. Uh, Sub went to St. Thomas More. And then we all met back up at Curl. Mm. Um, and so I was the beatbox um, with Sub. Sub was rapping. I was the beatbox during that time, maybe around 10th, 11th grade. And then um, Tucci was taking Mr. Mumford's class, and he was like, our parents are paying all this tuition. We can't be with these bum English teachers. Like he was going in. And I was like, yo, why do you think he was like that English thing? It was one English teacher. And I was like, this is the easiest class ever. I'm just taking his job. He was like, he's a bum, dog. You ain't gonna learn nothing. Blah, 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 blah. I'm taking Mumford. We halfway through the book. Like he's you gonna know, bro. Like if you wanna make something, and he really impressed, he was like, stop ducking this class, Mo. Just go take the class. Mm. And I was like, all right. Because he was like, your parents paying too much money. My mother paying too much money for me to be here. We need to get everything we're supposed to get out of this education. Mm-hmm. And I end up taking Mumford. Best English teacher, teacher, person. Like, mad cool people, real good dude. And then he was like, yo, you, you should be in this play. In the, in the in the Christmas Carol Christmas special, bro, I hit that stage and I was like, oh, yeah, I mm. this is a whole other thing. I could emote, I could be fun. He let me listen. He had a script. He let me go off script, mm. and he was like, if you want to improvise this part, as long as it's funny, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And I did it, and he was like, oh, that shit's funny. Let's go, let's go. And I was like, oh, word, I could just do this? And that lit the fire to be like, the stage is not a problem. Mm. Performing is not a problem. Let's wow. Um, and so from there, uh, Sub goes off to college. He goes to Corcoran. I go to University of Maryland. I'm studying electrical engineering. Mm, EE, the, har- the hardest. Yeah, I was an EE major, bro. I was killing it, too. I had a nice decent grade point average but my mental shit was raggedy mm. you know i shared with people uh before but i was suicidal i was super depressed i did not want to be here like it was a whole lot of shit going on in my house it just wasn't cool and i, and I didn't feel right I, I didn't even i commuted to school because i didn't want my parents to pay for mm-hmm. me to live somewhere else like it was that type of thing i was like i don't want to be a burden and because it was five you know my parents had five kids they was paying tuition for a rock. I was, you know what I'm saying? It was like too much. Um, and so my s- second year, right. First semester, first semester, the second of my sophomore year, going through the hall, man, bam, I have a nervous breakdown in the math building. Not me. I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Dude. And I'm mm-hmm. yo. And this dude is just like in the math building, like throwing papers talking to himself, he's on the floor, and I'm like, nah. And between that second semester and that first semester of my second year, I had met my boy Sean, who was a DJ. Mm. And he was in radio, television, and film. If I even thought about radio, television, and film, I'd be <laughs> totally different now. I probably wouldn't have rapped, but I'd be making music, I'd be everywhere, right? But I didn't know. So I was like, I'm going to be an electrician in there. And what I ain't supposed to do. You know, I come from this family of all these people, these, you know, technical individuals. So my dad got to 
doctorate in psychology and education. I have a sister who's a microbiologist. My next to the older sister was a judge. My brother's systems analyst. My younger sister went to school for hospital administration, pharmacy, and just got her thing in cybersecurity. So here I am. Y'all bar is high. Yeah, the bar is like, son, if you're going to do something, you got to be out here. So I was like, electrical, I ain't answering you. I'm sorry, I got to go. Uh, let me turn this ring off. Oh, Dennis. Sorry, my bad, dog. Uh, you good. Focus, focus is on do not disrupt. Um, so I'm, I'm in the process of doing all this. And then I run into my man and he was like, yo, man, just come hang out at the crib right now and again and we get... You know, I just like to run records. And me and him would talk about hip hop. And it was so crazy because some of the people, like I think Melanie Massey was in school with me at the time. Uh, she ended up working for BET. But I used to hang out with Melanie in the thing, in the, in the uh, stamp union. Me, Melanie, Sean, uh, and a couple of other people I can't even remember. My boy, Sean Burwell, who was a Q. I think Melanie ended up marrying another Q up there. But all of that, right? So we was all hanging out. Um, and then I would just go over Sean house and rap. And then it just became spending an hour. I'm spending a week. Like, mm. Not going to class. Mm. Grades come back and it was like, go home, sir. Mm. <laughs> like go home. And I was mad depressed. So I was like, I'm a failure. I can't do it. I can't do anything. Right. Um, and so that's where I'm at. Like I, I got stuck in that space, but that's the blessing. Mm. crazy part was I ended up doing that. I ended up working for the National Endowment for the Humanities. Mm. I got a job because I had top secret clearance um, when I was in high school. Mm. Yeah, I had top secret clearance in the 11th grade, 11th to 12th grade, because I had, uh, I was working for the Army Research Institute mm. doing the ASVAB. So the ASVAB, you know, mm. the test you gotta take to get in the military. Me, uh, Sakib Lakani and this other young lady, we were designing the map section, helping to design the map section. Yeah. In high school. High school. Um, and we was all from like they were from Einstein, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was from Carroll. And it was it was crazy. But it was dope. I mean, I, I can't even hold you. So I ended up working for them. I ended up driving Lynn Cheney. That was my job. I was Lynn Cheney's personal driver. Wow. Her driver got sick. They asked me, I had the top secret joint. I was able to drive her. I would go over to Secretary of Defense office, Dick Cheney's office. I would do the little runs. I would drive her around. And then I was delivering books for the library because that's what the dude was doing. He would work at the, he sat in the library, but then he would drive the chairman when he needed to and then do interlibrary loans between all the libraries and, and the federal government libraries. So I was always at the Library of Congress. I was on Capitol Hill. I was in the, all the Dirksen buildings, Senate buildings, all this stuff, borrowing books or getting you know, laws and all this other stuff if they want to pass and, you know, do something within the humanities um, and all that. And I end up walking past them in the in one of the Library of Congress buildings and I'm walking down the hall and I happen to look in and I was like, sub? <laughs> and he like, what's up, bro? I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Like, I ain't seen him in years. Like, after we graduated, he graduated, I graduated. And he was like, yo, man, you still in the hip-hop? I was like, of course. He was like, got these ciphers. Doing these ciphers, man, you should come through. And he was like, come through to 8 Rock. 8 Rock used to be in southeast across the street from the Big Chair. 
Mm-hmm. Tony Blackman, Monty Taff, Sub, they was the ones that started it. Freestyle Union. And that's where we was meeting. And that's that was it. Started Freestyle Union and never stopped. Damn. Yeah. I love I love the story for a host of reasons. And one of the things I hope people take from it is kind of like you never know how the connections connect later on. You never know how those dots are, are gonna find their way to make sense. Mm-hmm. And so you gotta embrace the journey. You gotta embrace every person you meet in every situation, good, bad, ugly. Cause if you don't go through that depression, if you don't drop out of school, if you don't get security clearance, if one thing changes in your journey, it's a whole right. You don't end up at Freestyle Union. Nowhere. We not having this conversation. Uh, bro, I'm an engineer. You're an I'm engineer. An engineer working for Lucid Technologies probably would have murked myself. I'm saying I'm dead ass about that. Like literally probably would have murked myself. Yeah. The music, um, when people talk about music saving their life, like that's a real thing for me. Like this whole journey, this whole performance, because p- performance for me is cathartic. Mm-hmm. It's not just writing a song. It's actually getting up there and performing and the people and the energy and like all of that stuff. And it helped me like process a lot of the emotional issues I was having. It helped me process like who I was in relationship to myself, who I was in relationship to my family. It helped me understand what it is to be creative and what creativity can do for you. Um, and even in the midst of like coming from this very, very practical family, like you know, bro, like being black. First of all, we need to have a real ass conversation about what it is to be black in America and what it is to be African and in, in, in America and the expectations. So people think, and this is and this is real as fuck, bro. Like people think that West Indians, Africans, and Black Americans have differences in terms of like who values education, mm. and that is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Like. As much as African folks be like, you need to be, and they, but here's the one you get: you get the doctor, or or doctor, right? <laughs> right? The, the West Indian Jones get the doctor or the or the lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Got to be a lawyer or a doctor. You get the doctor or a doctor. That's it. In my house, they was like, "Yo, son, you got to do something, and you have to have a job. Like, you have to earn a. You have to never." ever be lazy in front of white people you have to never like that pressure was there if you want to get anywhere you need an education like so it wasn't be a doctor it was like get a degree like you need a degree if you don't got no degree you ain't shit like you gotta have it and that was my family so that pressure in some african-american black american households is just as hard body as it is in west indian african households asian households like my parents was not for no shit like i've wrote in the book i didn't have there was no such thing as a gap year mm-hmm. you had to get a gap degree or a gap job like, and that's better that's it you better gap your ass on down to the get you a job or gap your ass to school. Like, and they wasn't for the military. She need like yeah. my father was a whole ass Marine. And he was like, you ain't doing that. Like yeah. you get a degree, like you gonna get up. And if you don't do it, like I'm disappointed forever. Mm-hmm. And so becoming an artist, that shit was like, man, as much as your parents probably looked at you like, come on, son. Like, as much as I know my West Indian friends, if they was like a beer, they mean, why are you playing? Like, you get the whole, like, what do you mean? You a clown? Like, I, the whole, what? Clown, bro? <laughs> I got that 
that. They was like, yo, man, I'm telling you. Like, I, I wrote about it in the joint. I'm like, man, my father, I literally was on the road. I literally had five Gs in my pocket. Came home. Like, I was slinging, but I had rap money. And I was like, yo, damn, I'm back. What we about to do, I'm about to blase skill. You know what I mean? I'm rap moneyed up. And my parents, my father was like, oh, man, my clutch for my car. How much you need? Me, 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 bow. Like, it's your clutch, bruh. Rap money. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I see you little rap money and everything, but when you gonna get a job, Nick? Like, bro, are you serious? Like, my whole thing was, like, the little balloon that get deflated. Bro, that was me in the driveway. Like, are you serious? Do you see these hundos in my pocket? Do you see me out here? Like, I just came. And the craziest... I just traveled further than you've traveled in your whole entire life. Mm -hmm. I have just seen everything that you, it took you years to see. I just seen it in six months, less than six months, right? The bread that you think you're going to earn, I'm already earning that. Like, yo, what are you talking about? And you hit me with the, you playing what? Like this shit ain't going nowhere. Like I literally dog, like listen to that every day. Mm. Why are you dealing with this fag? You need to go back to school. I'm so disappointed that you ain't in school. Nick, and that shit every day, bro. Yeah. It wears at you. It's funny, man. Like, one of the things today's artists starting out doesn't appreciate, and it's, you know, they never could, is because of what we've done and because of platforms that exist and, and the enlightenment that's happened generally, generationally, these young artists now have parents who are like, hey, you like, can you like guide them and like, can you give them some advice and pointers and we're supporting them while they're they're tra- chasing their dreams. And I'm like, I, I couldn't even imagine that supporting their what? Like, you know, you live in their dreams. Like, yo, you right. about to say doctor. And, and if you settle for lawyer, engineer, we'll take it. But right. you sell a failure because you didn't get the doctor. Right. <laughs> right. My son is not a doctor, but he is OK. I- <laughs> he has a degree as a practice at the law firm, but uh-huh. he's not a doctor. My sister's son is a doctor. One of my I sisters is a three L three L lawyer in law school right now, and she's about to be like the the one. It's like, all right, at least one of us did it, cause right. But no, I did. It's I think I feel like. Um, but I think, like you said, it's a generational thing. I think it's also a. Um, it's a. Uh, uh, acceptable it's a societal change right so we have these mores and folkways in society where certain things get normalized and so as we've moved and as technology has moved and as we moved the things that we faced as black folks right and i will say this for if you western all a part of the diaspora it used to be right because this was what you were told you go to school you can play ball you can sell drugs, right? Now, my parents wasn't, for, my father was like, you sell drugs, don't call me when you locked up. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming to the jail. You just gonna hold that thing down. Good luck, buddy. So couldn't sell drugs. I'm not tall enough to play ball, right? I can play football, but I still wasn't tall enough to play football, right? I mean, football, yeah, you cool, but this by my six six. 680 like you're not doing, what am i gonna do with that like i can't do nothing with that bro i'm not blocking you off the line bro you six four three forty, bro i'm not blocking you off the line i'm not i'm five ten, bro like 
five, ten, two, sixty, and I'm not blocking you off the line. You gonna step on my head, bro? It's a wrap, right? So professional football, unless I'm dashing at a four, four, right, pushing my whole body up the field and will slam my face. You know, now we ain't even talk about brain injuries. But needless to say, that was a wrap too, right? I wasn't gonna be a professional diver. I wasn't gonna be a track star. So I'm in school. And what happens is we Yeah, Davina cracking. I just wanna let you know Davina is cracking up. Bro. <laughs> bro, so you know you in school. So then so what's the next piece, right? So then the the commodification of hip hop and entertainment. So thankfully, like if we look at it as a generational thing, the hip hop, hip hop culture brings in this idea of uh, uh, independence, entrepreneurship, uh, get it how you can get it, creates a whole other revenue stream for art and, and, and non-traditional art. So graffiti art is there, you know, t-shirts, make a t-shirt lines, the spray painting, re, re, um, imagining shoes, tennis shoe culture, like all these cultural things come out of hip hop. And so what happens is a society because of the billions of dollars it's making and because it becomes commodified by commercial industry and because it's an advertising tool now within the community, you can go to school, you can play ball, you can sell drugs, you can rap. Mm -hmm. It becomes a thing. So now that we 50 years in the hip hop, it's a whole ass thing. Mm -hmm. Now it's, oh, you could be creative. Now mm -hmm. we have words like the creative economy, creative placemaking, <laughs> right? This is what we're doing. We're now, we're now, we're fostering creativity and the understanding that culture and creativity is actually good for the soul, blah, blah, blah. Man, my parents would have told you, man, get on clown, like, cause that's what you were. You was, cause you out here entertaining for the people tap dancing, sucking and jiving mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. white folks, you a clown. Now, understanding that James Brown, uh, Fela, uh, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte, uh, Charles Mingus, uh, Sarah Vaughn, Billie Holiday, they wasn't clowns. Mm -hmm. But I'm a clown. Mur? Yeah, it's funny. My, you know, my dad's a uh music junkie and then definitely part of my love came from his record playing and like his his love of jazz and blues and and you know, he came here for college so 1960s 70s my dad's in america at, and on the west coast which was a little more open and enlightened and then music was was a foundation for him which then became a foundation for me and as much as he loved music as much as he howling wolf and buddy guy and those records that like i was raised on i remember when i finally was like hey you know i'm, I'm gonna do music like he just couldn't fathom like it was just like there was like like his brain shorted like it was like no like you don't do music you don't like that's not a thing people don't do that and it's like no like those records you listen to like i want to do that i want to help make records and and he played guitar my dad's a musician and and his brother was in a band and and my mom's brother was in a band like you know that's like music's been in our family and and one of the most successful liberian artists was a, a family member as well to come say roberts so like it's like they knew of this world but unfortunately 
two out of three of those people died from drug overdoses or died as a result of something attached to that lifestyle. And that I think was always their fear was how do we scare you from it? Because, you know, are you strong enough to to go with the temptations that come with not what if it doesn't work? Because I I realized like after now the success and having had combos with my father, his concern was never if it doesn't work because you can always go get a job and figure life out. What if it works? What if, what if you get unlimited money? What if you get rap money? Like you said, what if you now can get anything you want any way you want from whoever you want? Are you strong enough to resist the temptations that come with it? And, and we've seen the strongest people in the world, not make it in this industry. So, you know, that's no guarantee. That's no given. That's, that's, you know, this is a tough thing to, to do, make it or break it. It's hard either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't understand that point of view until recently, like within the last four or five years, and talking to my dad, where he made it clear he was like that the goal was never to keep you from your, from your dream. The goal was always to protect you from what happens if, like that's the parent in me. That's the. That's interesting. And 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 again, like you could raise a child and and love them and give them all the tools, but we see. I mean, look at what's happening in hip hop now, man. Like it's it's sad, like. These kids have everything and they lose it to for nothing. And you're just like, yo, like, how did that happen? How could you like who's around this person? But who can tell a 20 some year old kid who's a multimillionaire from rapping what to do? What nobody tell man, listen, if I had two hundred thousand dollars, you wouldn't tell me nothing, bro. For real, for real. Shoot, that five thousand dollar day, that five thousand dollar day you was on one. Man, that five thousand dollar day, bro, you could have told me I was getting ready to push a bins like that. <laughs> I got a biz. I got biz money. No, you don't, bro. You got one car note money. Because <laughs> you barely off the off the food time, bro. You might want to slow down. Yeah. But at the time, you know, at that time, it was the most money I had seen, like from doing what I love. Yeah. And that was the piece. And I think, you know, part of my parents issue, not so much my mother, but part of, you know, my mother was just like, you're supposed to go to school. Like, there's nothing around that. My dad was like, you're supposed to go to school, but he was a frustrated musician. Mm. So I think part of that was I ain't make it and I don't want you to go through the heartache. But I can't tell you that. I can't say that. I just got to be like, you plan and you need to be Mm. practical because he chose to be practical. Right. Because he tried it, which I understand. You got five kids, bro. You I, I guess practical might be knocking on your door. Mm-hmm. I didn't see how, you know, I, I understood because I, I come from a long line of workaholics. So working is not a problem. It's never been a problem. I've had jobs. Like I told man, these youngers be like, uh, you know, I got to go be an artist. You know, so I can't really have a job. So, you know, I'm just going to be here, bro. Starving, ramen sandwich. I'm like, bro, that's you're stupid. Oh, yeah. Go get a job. Yeah. Job help. Job helps in a number of reasons and, and not for the money. I feel like job helps because job takes off the pressure of the art having to sustain. Mm-hmm. When you give art the opportunity to just go ahead and art, you come up, you wind up creating some really dope things. But when I'm you, writing that down, let art art. Right. But when you don't and you put the pressure of economic stability, familial stability, mental stability, like you putting all this shit on art, bro, that don't belong on it. Mm. 
right? It's supposed to be a release. It's supposed to be the conduit release into the thing. And you putting all this practical life shit on the art, like it's just supposed to hold that up. And it's like, dog, that's not for that. Yeah. The art is the expression. The art is the pushing out. The art is the is the catharsis. The art is the answer. The art is the pain. The art is the love. The art is all of that. The art is not to pay your bill. Like if you do that, if you put that pressure on art, as soon as the art don't do it, because you and here's the the trippy part, bro. It is one million percent subjective. Mm. I could crumple up a tissue and put two little boogers on that joint and be like, it's a million dollars. And somebody will look at that and be like, why do you have boogery tissue? And somebody else will walk up and be like, oh my God, look at the surrealism in this. It's life. It is the practical understanding that the phases of water as it coagulates in your nose moves through and provides the conditioning of, you know, the humanity within. And then we have this relief in this structure, this slightly cottony structure, paper structure that is molded to relieve us of this pain. Oh, my God. It's just amazing work. Bruh, it's a snot rag with two buggers on it, dog. Like. But everybody sees that thing so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And here we are taking our art and we be like, yo, here we go. I'm about to put out my high fire, right? Whether it's my song or whatever, my rapidy rap, whatever I'm doing, painting or whatever. Oh, it's there. It's That's what it is. No, that's what it is to you. Mm-hmm. To somebody else, that joint is a tissue with two boogers on it, dog. Like you're tripping. But you don't put that now. Now, once you make that, you're like, all right. So as soon as I put this out, I ain't gonna be broke no more. My significant people gonna come back. My mental health gonna get better. My health is gonna get better. My housing situation is gonna be different. My parents are gonna understand. Like, no, that ain't no promise that that's gonna happen. That's what you hope is gonna happen, but that's not what the art is for. So I'd be like, go get a job. Why? Because now you've taken the pressure of, I need to have my bills paid. I need to eat. My peoples need a roof, right? I'm good. I have a job. And I'm giving these people my time in exchange for monetary remuneration. Cool. Now, and it's only a portion of my day. It's not the whole day. I don't work all day, right? I work for a portion, eight hours, four hours, whatever, full-time, part-time. But for that exchange, I get a check. And whatever that check does or deposit or whatever I get, now I'm not asking that, I'm not asking my art to get, get some fish. I'm going to the store, I got the fish myself. I'm making sure I got dental, you know, all the stuff. Part of that pressure is off of me. Now I'm responsible for making sure that I could participate in art for art's sake, right? Until I can't, until the time is eaten up that I can't give that to the practical job. And the art is now providing some sort of monetary remuneration and allows me to not have to go do that. And I'm either going to be like, I hate this job, I need to double down on this art. Or I like this job, 
I'm not really tripping off this art. It helps mm-hmm. you make choices, but it alleviate it, it alleviates the pressure to make art something that is not. You're one of the few who's actually been transparent and honest enough to say what what's needed to be said. I just had a meeting with an artist that we both know. I'll share the name uh, later, but DMV artists moved to Atlanta and they were saying how, you know, they're stressed because they have to drive Lyft and do whatever. And that's keeping them from the music. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, it's not keeping you from the music. You, you have 24 hours in a day. And, you know, how many hours do you lift? He's like, you know, four to five, six. It's like, you got a lot of time for music. Like, you have a lot of time in a week and a month to make music. Uh, don't don't set that timer of like, when can I quit lift? Kind of refocus your energy as to, like you said, like, yo, let me make my best song I can this month. Let me get consistent with my releases. Let me let me do some open mics. Let me do this other stuff. And to your point, the the lifting allows you to do that without the stress of, can I pay my bills? Can I feed myself? Can I take care of myself if I get sick? Those real life things that will happen to all of us mm-hmm. end up, you know, becoming stressful when you, you know, mm-hmm. people sell out quick. And, and, and then when the opportunity does come, the reason you sign that that paperwork and you you ignore the contracts, and you don't have a lawyer is all those expectations that you said earlier mm-hmm. is what you see tied to whatever deal you get. Right. So right. I, I think that's a great segue into you are one who I learned a lot from from your deal right like you you shared it with with the artists i've worked with and, and <laughs> let's run through now like you know a, a young a young kokai gets a record contract pub deal like traveling and touring and performing what what is that world like for you so when we got our deal my sister read the contract and said don't sign this but it was the opportunity of a lifetime for me in my head, right? I'm at home. Um, I got a job. I'm touring every now and again. But now, BMG France, one of the largest labels in the world, is saying, come on over here, man, and come get this love, right? And they're basing it, and this is all hindsight, they're basing it on the success of a record that we as the MCs guested on for their one of their other artists, Steve Coleman. And so they see the success of this album. That album in France is considered like one of they they did a 20-year reissue of the album. The album was Steve. I flew back. Like I flew back to Paris to read to perform at you know the club that we recorded it because of this the impact that this record had. And nobody had ever heard MCs over this type of music. And so BMG was like, oh my God, we got, oh, it's about to happen. Let's go, guys. Like they off, they beat, right? They like, oh my God, we about to kill it. We about to make all this money. Let's just sign these dudes. So there was no real thought into, hey man, what kind of music these dudes gonna make? They do hip hop, but it's gonna be weird and esoteric like this other stuff they did, right? Um... And we were three MCs. We weren't a group. Black Indian was black. I was myself. Sub was sub. We had no intentions on being a group. We had just started doing like the Freestyle Union Band, but that was just an amalgamation of MCs from the Cypher 
gathering together to go out. We got seen by, uh, I think, uh, Gamble and Huff folks. Khalif Gamble had them up in New York. They did some means at Atlantic. Like, all these things that happened with the Freestyle Union Band. Rub from uh, Inshallah was part of that. Tony Blackman, me, Sub. I think Priest might have been in it. But we was just doing that. And we and we had an idea. We was like, yo, we could do a whole bunch of Wu-Tanging out here. We could Wu-Tang the game. So once we got our offer, my sister, who was an attorney, was like, dog, I'm not an entertainment attorney, but this don't look right. And I was like, eh. And everybody else was like, yo, we about to sign. Let's go. Let's get this break. Cool. So I just did it because what were the options at that time? And I wasn't thinking, and I had ducked some pretty heinous deals. I had ducked a wild pitch deal early in, in when I was a teenager. Um, and so I was like, man, I ducked, a, I ducked a crazy deal with, with Hawk Islam for all my publishing, all of it, for everything I made, for everything I was making and for everything I would make. Hawk wanted all of that. Um, and so they gave me some trash papers. I didn't sign that deal, thank God. Um, but then, you know, so this deal comes along and I'm like, yo, man, I got to do it. Like, I got to go. I'm getting older. I'm still in my people house. I got to get out of here. I got to, I've got to move. Like, and I'm traveling. I had been traveling for at least a couple years. I had done a couple European tours, six weeks here, month and a half or so there. And at the time we were in San Francisco doing, we were in Oakland staying off the Fruitvale Bar on Lind. Um, and we were doing a residency program at the Upper Room with Rafiq Bilal, uh, rest in peace, uh, who was Muhammad Bilal's father. Muhammad was on the real world. And they had a group called Midnight Voices with him and Will Power, Muhammad and Will Power with Midnight Voices. Uh, Muhammad's sister, Isha B, had um, Honey Presents, which was like a promotion company of all women. It was like a fly-ass joint. The Invisible Scratch Pickles open for us. Like Qbert, Mixmaster Mike, like all of that. Like all that was crazy going on at the same time. And then BMG calls and was like, yo, y'all want to dip. And now remember, Black was 17. Black, we had to, when we first started taking Black on the road, Black had parents had to sign over um, like parental rights to Steve for him to go. Black was like 15 on the road, like traveling with us, rhyming his ass off, doing all the fun stuff, right? Um, and thank God for that, young man, because uh, he was about to be dead, like literally. I was like, yo, he got to go with us. Because Steve came back. When we first got introduced to the whole thing, it was, it was um, me and Sub went to New York to make a record. Shout out to Ezra Greer, who was the person who was behind all of that. And Ezra was working with Steve. Ezra was like, yo, I want y'all to come to New York, make this record. We didn't believe him. We go to New York, we make this record with Shalik and Yatasi from uh, Long Island and Black Thought from Philly. The record was called A Tale of Three Cities. We start touring with that joint. Me, Sub, first tour was Me, Sub, and uh, this group called Divine Beings out of Philly. Andrea, the great one, and Air Smooth, uh, who passed away, God bless. Um, and we did that first tour. We come after we do these tours, we end up needing a third person. Cause Steve was like, I don't like these other MCs. We're doing this, da, da, da. He was like, I need somebody really open, somebody really does. We say, come to the cipher. He comes to the cipher. 
we all have ideas of who should go. So he's like, who do you think should go? And I was like, I think Black should go because he need to go. And he was like, he needs to go. I was like, yo, he had just got shot at. He got grazed up. You know, he was going to die. And I was like, that young man need to go. And then Sub was like, yeah, bro, he need to go. And it was more so like he could rhyme, but it was more like we was like, this is the opportunity to take a youngin who potentially is going to wind up in the grave on the road to see something different, to like get a whole different life. And this dude ends up going and wanted to go. So it was like, you know, I, I talk to people all the time. It's like, there's the one side where you had an opportunity, but it's the other side to choose to want to participate. So he wanted to go. So the long story, bam, now we in this house. They offered this deal. We was like, yeah, we got to take it because what other deal is out here? And it wasn't a, not for us because we wasn't doing nothing in the States. So it wasn't like MCA was coming around. It wasn't like, you know, in a scope or none of that. It was just like, yo, here we go. And so this deal passes. We sign a deal, which unfortunately had the words in perpetuity and jointly and severally liable. I hate those words. <laughs> so walk, walk through what those two words so, now mean compared to what you, you know, what you glanced over then. Uh, and I, you know, the handwriting was on the wall, but like, you know, it's to have a lawyer every time. Pay attention to the lawyer. I had a lawyer and the lawyer told me not to do it. And I did it anyway, which tells you that that scarcity mindset. That um, and scarcity. Because and this is why young is wind up in the situation or anybody. Actually, let's not just put it on young as old folks who that's that's tired. Right. I, I know a group just now that was about to sign the trashiest trash deal of all trash them. And I convinced them not to sign that trash deal. I was like, please don't sign this. Just please. And they were tired. They're tired. And I get it because you do this thing and you bump your head up against so many walls and you don't want to go back to the coffee shop and pour another goddamn cup of coffee. Right? You're tired. And I get it. You don't want to lift no more. Right? I get it. I understand that a hundred thousand percent. But signing a shitty deal will make you be like, I wish I was lifting. Right? <laughs> so in perpetuity means forever. That's the first thing. Forever. In perpetuity. For the rest of your life. Your kid life. Your kid kid life. Your kid 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 life. All their life and some more. They got your shit. Thanks. Right? So in perpetuity. That's the first one. Jointly and severally liable. Jointly means together. Severally means apart. So because there were three of us who signed this deal... We were all responsible for paying back the advance. Now, just because your group might break up, just because two of y'all might become trash men and the other two go paint or whatever, whatever y'all doing, if any one of y'all is still up in this music business, we coming to see you for that bread. So, I signed that deal in 19, in the year of our Lord, 1997. Some of y'all wasn't here. I signed that deal in 1997. I still today get a bill from Sony for the advance money. Because they have my address. And I am jointly and severally liable for that advance money. 
as soon as I signed any Sony papers, as soon as I signed any Sony affiliated papers, any Sony publishing, they can see me and they can say thank you for that money. That's what happened to Buster when he signed with leaders of the new school. They were jointly and severally liable. That's why when you hear Buster talk about his story, he talk about how he didn't make no rep money off the first couple of records. Like, because he was jointly and severally liable for everything that leaders of the new school had paid. Signed another deal. I think the same deal was on Electra. They was like, let me see that. Charlie <laughs> Dinko's advance coming out your joint. Charlie mm. Brown money coming out your joint. Like, all they, oh, remember y'all was up in Chunking. Give me all that back. Y'all them returns. Give me that money back. Like, they was, he was Wuhan and they was Wu. Give me the check. Mm. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, it was bad. I mean, you know, so that's, and, and that's why I'd be like, yo, man, read your papers. Have somebody professional read your papers and try to stay away from, from the beats. You know? Okay. So 97 to today, you're still paying that debt. Um, you, you obviously you did the deal. What what did you learn from having a record contract? Because there's, there's still kids today whose goal is to get the record deal. What what did you learn from having a record deal? So I'm a, I'm a be. So here's the funny part. I am not an anti label person. I know a lot of people that be, have been with labels. I hate the label. The label sucking the whole lot. Man, I'm not that dude. Not that dude. The label has its part. The label is a lending institution. The label does what it's supposed to do. The label has resources. If you ain't got those resources, you might need a label. But you as an artist need to know what you need. Right. And that's a hard thing. Right. Uh, need is a fun, wonderful thing. I, I love quoting the Lorax because the Lorax is a the Lorax is a great story about uh, business, right? It talks about polluting the waters, but that junk could be applied to anything because the need that they were making, a need is a thing that everybody need, right? It is, it's a multiple tool. It's anything you need. But what's it going to cost? Is you going to drown out the little barbaloots? Is you going to mess up the swami swans? Is the truffle of trees going to be gone? Like, you got to understand what you're doing for this need. And so I say that for any artist that's in this business, like, dog, what are you, what are you trying to do? If you just want a payday, like, first, let's everybody be realistic. Nobody cares about your talent anymore. That's talent is like icing. It is not the cake. It ain't the sprinkles. It ain't the pan. It ain't the foil. It ain't the butter. It ain't the ingredients. That shit is the icing, basically. Everything else matters more than the time. Talent. Like, what do your streaming numbers look like? What are your followings? What is your social engagement? Like, that's the cake now, right? Quantifiable data is the cake because at labels, they, some people don't want to do nothing. Now, there's always the anomaly A&R that's like, no, I believe in talent. Like, they want you to have talent. But a lot of folks, it's just like, son, what's the bottom line? Because we got investors and we got shareholders. And so you got to understand as a business, this is how the business operates. So you thinking that you're the most talented because you won the fourth grade talent show and all your friends think you can sing don't mean nothing. It means nothing. It means cool. That's nice. So now let's operate in a space that we all understand what it really is and what it really is. Now, let's just say you got all that other stuff together. You're trying to build it. You want to create interest. You got a following. You got your social engagement. You got your numbers. Da, 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 da. Now, if you are generating streams, 
without a record label and those streams are in the hundreds of thousands, you don't necessarily need a record label. You might want to figure out, you need to figure out how to monetize your business in a way that keeps up with those hundreds of thousands of streams. How can you go direct to consumer for them to purchase your music as opposed to just streaming your music, right? Um, how can you get them to buy merchandise? What does that look for you in terms of show money? What does 100,000 streams look like per song per day, right? Because we ain't talking about just 100,000 streams overall. We're talking about 100,000 streams a month. Like 100,000 streams every month is like real, it's decent, right? Because they really want you to have a million streams a day with some shit like some crazy shit, 100,000 a day. So if we're talking about 100,000 streams a month, then what does that look like in terms of the other parts of the business that you can handle? What's your show's looking like? You know, how many people actually show up? Because that's, once again, goes back to quantifiable data. Ain't nobody booking you if you can't put nobody in a seat. Don't nobody care if your song is going off, is ringing off in the Northwest. Everybody love you. It's playing on the radio. That shit ain't in Florida, Mo. It's just not in Florida. Don't nobody care about it in Florida. So you can't go to Florida pulling up and, you know, be like, ah, let's go Florida. Like three people going to show up at the show. You don't have no following in Florida. So we just, everything has to be put in, into place and understanding who you are as an artist and what does that mean in terms of what does your data translate to? What are your actual ticket sales translate to? And then if you want to get involved with a label, if the label says, all right, look, we can take your 10,000 streams and turn that into 200,000 streams, but we need you to do X, Y, and Z. Now, as an artist, depending on who you are, that X, Y, and Z might be titty out, dropping it on the floor, cussing people out in your song. That's that X, Y, and Z might be two people got to die per song. You know, you got to get in a little fight, beef, fake beef with whoever to drum up some whatever, right? You need, you might need a co-sign from two Bamas. They might want you to rub on their leg. We don't know what X, Y, and Z look like. Cause this is the dirty ass business, right? But you're the one walking in. And I say this to everybody. It's in my book. If you walk in with your hand out, somebody gonna put a dick in it. That's just what's going to happen. Don't be that person. You can't have your hand out when you walk in these buildings. Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> Keep your hands to yourself. Don't be asking no whole bunch of questions. Like if they invited you to the building, that's one thing. If you go into the building without no invitation, that's a whole other monkey, bro. You don't want to be that guy or that girl. You want to walk in the joint or that person or whoever you are, right? Whatever your gender, then your pronouns are. You don't want to be them. You want to always walk into a space that you've been invited to come into. And then you got walking in with the most realistic expectations, not your own self image. Know yourself, know who you are, know what your value is, but you could, they will change you if you let them change you to meet whatever goal and quantifiable data stream they need to quantify and fill for that month. Right. So that's how I look at it. So I'm, I'm not an anti-label guy. I'm just like, what do you want out of the deal? Now, if you got all that stuff together and they throwing a the thing at you, they throwing a the bag at you, get in there, get the bag. But understand that the day after the bag is there, the day after you cash it, put the check in the bank. Like, first of all, if we really want to have a whole buck conversation, what does your buck actually look like? If they giving you a million dollars, remember, you just got $500,000. Uh-oh, that sounds different. 
You just said they gave me a million dollars. Why you say 500,000? Because you might well just put a half aside to the IRS. It's 40% on, on uh, what do they call it? Luxury tax. It's a luxury tax, sir. That's 40%. If you can't hide that within a couple of trusts and some LLCs, you paying 40%, cuz. So you ain't got a million dollars. You got 600,000. Government got four of that. So now to your six, what's the percentages? If your manager taking 200, I mean, taking 20%, that ain't six. That ain't six no more because they take 20% of the mill. They ain't taking 20% of six. So now that the mill, that's 200. So now you ain't got six, you got four. And that's just management. Now, if you got somebody else doing something and they took 10%, they ain't taking 10 off your four. They taking 10 off a mill. So now you got three. Now you, what you tricking off? You gonna buy a house? That's two. You got one. What's your recording budget? One, you got zero. So let's talk about a million dollars ain't a million dollars. So that's, that's you gotta do, you, that your math game gotta be thorough. So don't, it depends on what the number look like. That's why I say, once again, if you're going in a building, you gotta understand what going in the building really means. Like going in the building don't look like what you think it looked like. Going in the building is just, just that. Stop taking these pictures in front of these signs. Giving these people free advertising. They ain't giving you no money. Mm. Anyway, but I digress. I, again, I <laughs> hope for the people listening, they see why I enjoy our convos because <laughs> you tell it like it is, you keep it a buck, and it's not in an anti-way. It's what you said, right? The labels are there as a as a investor. They're a financier. And they have relationships and their goal is to make their money back um, and or own the IP. So if you are clearing what you need day one and you get the money and you can do what you do with it, everybody wins. If you're not clear on what you need, uh, you spend their money, which is your money, but it's their money to figure it out. You then owe them for that money. And then once you figured it out, you're in debt to them. And by the time you go to recoup, you're not as hot as you were when they gave you the first money and they can pretty much determine or dictate how you move from that point on. And you see it with a lot of artists, usually by the third album, um, when people are like, oh man, they change, oh man, and they, it's like, because at that point you're chasing. And, and it's unfortunate because a little bit of education, someone listening to something like what you just said or, or reaching out to people who've done it before, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel like anytime someone's getting a deal and, and I know I've sent some people to you and I know you're you're in people's corners who are navigating, man, find someone who's been through it and, and good, bad and ugly. Like you said, and, and the information's out there, like Buster Rhymes has been clear on what his story is and, and every artist has been clear on what their story is, like at some point. Mm -hmm. It isn't all a bed of roses. And if you're not clear on who you are and what you need, and what those terms mean and and like you said something as simple as that manager that you shook hands and said 20 percent their 20 percent is off the top off the gross and that lawyer who said oh i'll do it for five percent you're paying them five percent fifty thousand dollars for two days of work or four hours of work um which i've seen um and then the publicist who's now on retainer at a crazy amount but they're not really doing anything but they know the bag is there and they're referred by the label they happen to be friends with the label owner and they're breaking bread behind the scenes and uh, the label who has a partnership with the studio and they're getting the studio at a half the rate they're charging you and that's going against your your 
your events, your studio budget, and then the marketing, and they're introducing you to the marketing folks and they're charging you crazy numbers for potential opportunities. And before you know it, it don't pop like it's supposed to. You want to meet and now people telling you, oh man, next time, and you know, but we got to review the books and you know, last time we gave you this, but next time we'll give you that. But for that to work, uh, we're going to need this. And and you never to be out. That's it. Look here, Bob. I know you was you was uh you know uh, uh hardcore herbivore out here, but uh, we need that nipple out this time. Okay, thanks. That's like, it. Like really, that's like it. we need you to go in, like lean into that nipple out, dog. Like that's gonna be your hook now. You the nipple out guy. Okay, yeah. okay. Like, but that's and you know, and I appreciate. I love that about the business. People don't love that about the business. I like the business because the business tell you exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. Business tells you what it is. It's like, yo, I'm a lender institution and I might ask you to pull your pants down. What you gonna do? And you have to make that choice as the person. You have to make that choice and then don't have revisionist history. Like you didn't pull your pants down. No, they said you could pull your pants down and you said, all right, I'm gonna pull my pants down. And then you like, they made me pull my, no, no. (laughs) They make you pull your pants down. They said you could. And you said, shit, if I want to be a star, I need to pull my pants down because that's what they said. No, that's what you thought you heard. They said you have the potential to be a star if you pull your pants down. You could, you might, maybe it's possible. And you took that to mean yes. And now you mad because your drawers is down. And everybody looking at you and you like, but I, but the business, man, see how they do you, see how the label do you, see they they try and stifle me, bro. They try, nah, bro, you chose. Man. I don't be having no sympathy, man. I don't like I love people and I'm empathetic and all that, but for in certain I signed my deal. Ain't nobody make me sign that deal. I signed that deal. I signed that deal because I was thirsty. Just to keep it a bean. Right. I wanted to get out of my situation. I thought that it was going to be a straight gateway drug straight out of the situation. Now, I wasn't broke. My family wasn't broke. We wasn't poor. It wasn't that. I just needed some other shit to do. I didn't want to do that. I don't like working for other people. I like making music. This shit is cathartic. I love it. This is what I love to do. And I thought I needed to do that. I'll do whatever I need to do to do it. I'll sign whatever. Boom. I'm not here. I'm here. However many decades later telling you this is what I did. I'm not going to tell you nothing different. Nobody tricked me. You see what I'm saying? So that's what I'll be having problems when artists be like, no, they tricked me. No, you chose to do it. This is what you chose to do. It's okay. It's okay. We understand thirst. We understand the systemic situations that's put on black and brown people and people who have lesser means. We all understand, the, you know, the socioeconomic issues. We all understand the capitalistic society and how people blah, 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 persecution, blah, right? I get you. But, yo, you signed it. So stop crying. Fix it, next time. Fix it the next time. But don't cry to me about what you chose to do. This is what you chose to do. Yeah. Now you could do all you could do that and then you can get out. Like, see, that's the other piece. Nobody told you you had to stay. When they mm-hmm. tell you you gone, go. Yeah. Go, go be independent. Go sell records to go, man. Do all the green vegan. You don't want to be part of the system off the grid. Treat nobody wrong. I sell my records for rocks. Do what you need to do. I ain't talking about crack. I'm talking about physical, real little shiny stones. If you want to sell because you want the earth to populate, I get it. Go do that. I got you. No problem. But see, you don't want to be off the guest list. Mm. 
Mm, you want to still be at the party. Mm. Oh, you still you still want to get into the job for free. Ah, you like it when they say your name on the mic. Got it. Got it. So now you want to act a fool, but you want to blame. Nah, you want to be there. So don't don't talk to me about what you want to do when you really don't want to be off. You're afraid to be off the guest list. You love this shit. You love the limelight. You love people kissing your ass. You love the fact that when you walk in, they be like, oh, such and such in the building. Like you love that no matter how grand a scale that is or how small a scale that is. Mm -hmm. You love it. And because you love it, stop sitting up here trying to tell me you don't love it. You mm -hmm. love it. That's why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Because you don't have to do that. There's so many people out here making millions of dollars on Bandcamp, selling directly to consumer. I see it all the time. I know people that are millionaires. You don't think they millionaires, but they sell records all the time. They ain't shiny. They ain't on the guest list. They just do it. Now, if that's you, go do it. Stop wrapping me up. Yeah. But if you want to be in the game, don't be sitting up here talking about the game ain't right because you know that. Nah, dog, you want to be here. Just be here. Just know what type of hoe you is. You just a hoe, you hoeing. Just okay. See, that's the problem. I think that's the problem that we have in this business is like, we don't want to say that we really just be hoeing. Mm -hmm. You're emotional hoes. You are emotional hoe. You want to be out here emotionally hoeing. Go emotionally hoe. I don't have a problem with that. I understand it. It's just like people telling you who, who they are. If you tell me exactly who you are, I don't have a problem with you. Right. You a snake. I know you a snake. I could deal with it. I was working with this dude who tried to puff me for some pub, for some pub, right? He, he, he puffing me for some pub and I let it happen on purpose because I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to, how I'm trying to figure out how do I have clients? Right. How do I forge relationships to have clients producing music for other people? This is what I want to know. This person is clearly doing that. But the price of admission was he going to try to puffy you on some pub. Cool. I knew. I knew the person was a snake. I go meet my homies. They like, yo, man, we heard you work with such and such. You know, dog, a snake, right? I was like, yeah, absolutely. They was like, you're not worried about it. I was like, no, because I know they a snake. I don't have a problem because I know you're a snake. So I'm not expecting you to not do snaky things. I know you're a snake. So I'm not going to sit up here and be like, no, that's a pigeon. No, that's a snake. I'm okay with it. You're a snake. I'm okay with that. I opted to be in the room. If I get my ass bit, if I need somebody to get this venom about me, if I need to go catch, you know, go get the anti-venom, if I need to be about your clutches, if I need to understand that you might shed your skin, if I need to understand that your, your tongue is forked, right? You like cold ass places like dog. You know what I mean? Like you're cold blooded. I get it because you're a snake. I'm not going to delude myself into believing that you're any other thing than the snake that you are. And I think that if we as artists and we as people who work in this business are very, very clear about who we are when we walk in the room, it makes it real easy. It's super easy. It's real easy to say no. Mm -hmm. It's real easy. If you know, I had the fortune of having a great mentor and he was like, you know, when you know how to say no, it make your choices easy. And I was like, huh, huh. That's some real shit. And then it made my choices easy. Do you want to go? I'm not shooting people in my records. 
So I'm already cool with what I'm not going to be able to do. I'm not shooting niggas. I'm good. No problem. Yeah. I'm not beating women in my in my music. I'm good. You know what I mean? I'm not going to glorify certain shit in my music. I'm not doing that. I don't make smoker music. I'm okay with that. I'm not. That's Wiz. That's Snoop. That's Currency. They make smoker, but they make great smoker music, and there's no problem with it. I don't have any issue with it. That's just not what I do. So I'm not going to try, and I'm not going to compare myself to Currency or Wiz or anybody that makes great smoker music or anybody that makes great gangster music or anybody that makes any great dope rap music. Like, if you a dope boy and you make dope rap for dope rap listeners, then that's why am I mad? If you make hypersexualized music for people who are hypersexualized, why am I mad? That's just not what I'm going to do. But the problem is, is when people are like, oh, they forced me to make hypersexual. No. No. Yeah. They said you had the opportunity to be famous. And you said, I'm going to pull my dick out. <laughs> like, that's literally what happened. And, and you know what's wild, Coke, is uh, so early on, you you, <laughs> I avoided the, the label world um, out of fear. And then as I as my peers were then in the, the labels in A&R or whatever executive positions, and I started taking artists to the labels because I didn't have the capacity, the resources to back them. The funny thing is when we negotiated deals, because you can only negotiate before you sign. Right. There was never a time we weren't able to negotiate any term. And it shocked me that like by the fourth, fifth deal, I was like, oh yeah, now we want full creative control. And they're like, okay. Oh no, no, no. We, we want to, uh, figure out how many records we release. Oh, okay, cool. Oh yeah. No, we get last say on all creative. We pick the producers. We pick like, and, and before you sign a deal, when, cause you, by the time you're sitting in the room and you are invited, that's the big thing. Not you knocking on the door, trying to look at me when they call you to the room, which means you're making enough noise now to get their attention. You can negotiate and find the middle ground. But if you just get the paper in front of you, you look at it and you're like, man, my situation is going to be better. What you said, you're usually not asked out. It's not like I don't sign this now. I'm about to eat trash. It's usually right. like, ah, I don't have to work that shitty job anymore. I don't have to do a lift or I, you know, I can, you know, you, you usually just sign it quickly. And then after the fact, they will never go back and amend that contract. But I've seen firsthand. And, and even now with the artists we're dealing with today, I'm like, yo, like what you want to do when I say get a lawyer, let me describe what that means get a lawyer have them basically go through each of these numbers on the left side of the document and tell you in like fifth grade english what it's saying section 1a what is it saying section 1b what is it saying section 2a and if you can understand it at that basic level are you cool with what it says and if you aren't cool with what it says what do you want it to say your lawyer's job is to get it to say that and the labels who are usually pretty lazy don't want to go back and forth with you so when you send back your revisions what they call red lines most of the time they're going to be like all right cool you know they don't budge on usually the, the the time right they want their seven years or five years whatever it is and the percentages will usually affect the advance so if you're like yo i don't want to give up 80 percent, i want to give up 60 percent. they'll be like all right well then we're going to lower the advance amount but it's what it is but as far as like, like you said, yo, they made me dress a certain way. 
you could put a clause in day one that they will sign 100% of the time that says, I get final creative control. Just that simple phrase changes everything. So I, I love that, like you said, we have to own that. Like if you're in a bad deal or got a bad situation, there was a version of yourself that accepted it for whatever reason. You got to learn to grow and learn from that. And in today's world, I, I mean, I've, I've told artists at times when we had opportunities and we're looking at different deals and I'm like, you know what? If we take that first deal, you're getting 10%. Like by the time you pay your advances back, it's going to be years, but you only got to give up an album. Like based on where we are, based on the connections they have, based on the relationships, based on the opportunities, would you be willing to give up one album in your career to get to where you want to get to? And if the answer is yes, sign that deal. If you're not willing to give the one album up, like you said, you can go to Bandcamp right now. We can do this independent all day and own 100% of everything, and we're good. But if those are the two options, it to me is no different than like, yo, if it's the fan right now and I got to take care of my family and I got to go work at McDonald's, I'm going to work at McDonald's. Like, ain't no shame in my game. Like, because if I got to give eight, eight hours to McDonald's or eight hours to Lyft or eight hours to, to Home Depot or whoever it is in exchange for my family eating, I will do that. Exactly. To me, it's no different. So I, I, I love your honesty. I love your transparency. I hope people take it for what it is and not, you know, take a snippet of this and be like, oh, Kokai said, it's like, no, no, like you got to look at the whole picture and really own your shit because this industry is black and white. It's not, there's, there's very little gray in this industry. It's very black and white. They tell you who they are. They've shown you who they are for, for generations. And if you shake the hand of somebody who you know is going to do what they're going to do and you don't get what you need out of that situation, you can only blame yourself. And you and you don't have to shake their hands. In today's world especially, you didn't have to 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but today you don't have to shake a hand. You ain't got to do nothing. You don't have to shake a hand. You don't got to shake no hands. All you got to do is make something dope. Let that joint run. You can, You got so many independent distribution channels. Like, young, get it in. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, who's this this kid? La Russell? I can't Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, out west. Yeah, out the bay. Yeah, that boy getting it in, right? He getting it in. He talk about his work. He just putting up, putting the work in. It's like, young, you could do it. Everybody is the anti-machine. Russ is the anti-machine. This kid, LaRussell, is the anti-machine. There's a lot of anti-machine artists that are doing crazy numbers. I'm, I'm going to put this kid out here. I'm going to put his name out here just because he's a mutual friend, and I just want to big him up. You know TK released a, a NFT, like, I guess, paywall for his, his new record, and he sold 700 of the NFTs. I think he made, like, $60,000 doing, like, NFT TK from a uh, Cloud Nine band. Oh wow! Okay, nice. The the, the producer guitarist from Cloud Nine. He, he he. And again, first time I'd ever. I know someone now who's done that. We we purchased one. I had to go through the process and MetaMask and all that craziness. Right. But like this kid made more money with with I think nine or ten songs in a couple of weeks than most people I know have made in their entire career with music. So Ace. we have no excuses. We have Nobody. no excuses. Nobody. Stop crying. But no. that's the other thing too. So then, but let's take the, let's take TK as an example. So now TK done sold $60,000 worth of, of material as NFTs. Does everybody know TK name? Nah. Okay. There's a certain subsection. Everybody want them to know their name. TK mm. don't care if you know his name. And yeah, nah. I, 
because the people that need to know TK's name know TK's name. And they done paid $60,000 in total to know TK's name and all his music. Some people can't live with that. Yeah. Some I, people need everybody to be screaming their name. Let art art. I, I love that phrase. I'm going to text it to you so you can go get that uh, trademark copywriter before I release this because I feel like that's that's something that hopefully that might even be the course that we end up doing together for 24 seven. Like sure. I, I feel like that, that phrase is something that TK definitely embraces and the artists who end up getting this, the Russes of the world. Um, there's a few other artists in, in our circles and artists that I know who have made it, who I think embrace that. Like they, they either already had that or they figured it out. And when they didn't put the pressure on the art, and they figured out how to monetize and, and make a living, whether it's a job or whatever it is, brand deals or da-da-da, but the art kind of is insulated and protected, your mental health is in a better place. As an artist that we both know who uh, is actually going through some really tough like mental issues now, and they've got everything they've ever wanted. They, they've hit their vision board. They've got everything on the deal. They've got all the money. They've got all the looks. They've got all the playlists. They've got all the streams. You name it, they've got it. And they're like, man, I thought it would feel different. Oh, nah. I, th I thought it would feel different. I thought what you said, I thought it would change how I felt about me. And it's like, no, like that hole that was there before actually is amplified now because it's, it's quiet now. You don't yeah, have I mean, it's, that. It's, so that's a, that's a rough one. Um, uh, and I empathize and I can definitely understand. Um, and what I would say to that person is um, success is super relative. Success is absolutely relative, right? You can have all the money, you can have all the fame, you can have all this other stuff. That is never going to uh, satiate your need for real interactions, for real acceptance of yourself as you are, as yourself, right? Um, yeah, this, this business don't fulfill no dreams. Not in a real way, right? It does, but it doesn't. It doesn't fulfill, like, I believe that when I first start, well, so here's the thing. And the other part is your dream is your reality. And that transference is a hard thing to shake because you ain't thinking about being a star no more. You a star. Uh-oh. Right? The pursuit of that joint felt real, real good. The pursuit, you was fighting for something. You was like, oh, I got to be something. I'm going to be a star. I'm going to be a star. got to be a star. Now you're a star. Right? But now it's the reality. Your reality is you are a star. You ain't dreaming no more, homie. So you ain't sleep. So all them things that you thought was part of the dreamscape and all that, that's real life now. That's today. My first time being a professional musician, I was like, oh, the dream is over. I'm not a I'm not trying to be a professional rapper. I am a professional. I got a whole ass record deal with pressure to succeed. And then it was like to who though? So that's the the part, the questions that needed and put me in contact with that person because we got some real conversations. I certainly what shit really means. Yeah. Because um 
there's a way to navigate stardom. Uh, there's a way to navigate stardom in whatever capacity you feel like you're a star. Like in certain circles, I'm a superstar. Like dog, I go, I go, I show up and people are like, oh my God, it's you. Right. That ain't here all the time. Right. And sometimes it's different foreign places. There are people that hit me in the DMs. Like it just be like, oh my God, I can't believe you emailing me back. Like shit like that. I'd be like, okay. But you know, and in other rooms, I'm not. But I think a lot of the things that have to do with whether you're happy or not all boil down to what your ego, right? It's, there's a certain part of your ego. And then those unresolved personal issues, therapy things that need to happen, right? In order for you, and you can still be that star, right? But once that reality kicks in, there's only two ways to go. It's like, all right, how do I keep deluding myself? Which winds up. This is why people wind up taking a bunch of drugs, bro. Like for real, for real. A lot of people OD and all that other shit because they just trying to get back to the dream state. hundred percent. A hundred percent. The dream state of what it was, the pursuit of I'm not really there. Like I gotta keep striving. I gotta do it. Right. Um, and then you got people that rest on, you know, they sold 12 records and now they just like, I'm the shit. Like, and it's like, no dog, you're not, you're okay. Um, and I think, you know, when you become, once that dream becomes a reality, you have to, there's a different set of skills. There's a different person that has to take over, um, to navigate the reality. Cause now it's your reality. It's not the dream no more. It's your reality. And your reality is sobering because them fake people ain't leave. All them people that like, all, they ain't going nowhere. Nobody left. None of the circumstances change. Your house don't change. Your personal feelings don't change. Your clothes don't change. Like all of that is there. It's just more people know you. More people know you and your bank account is a little more stable. But those same insecurities, if unchecked, Right. If unresolved, those same deep seated emotions that you have, if unresolved, if unchecked, can cause you to want to go either escape. Go hide yourself in the bottle, hide yourself in the needle, hide yourself in the pills, hide yourself in the powder, like hide yourself as a pussy, like or just, you know, or sex or whatever, just to keep it a solid one. Because I know dudes, they don't drink, they don't smoke, but they cannot stay away from women. I know women, they, they don't drink, they don't smoke, but they can't stay away from dudes or women. Like it's, the, or dudes, like I just put it all the way out there. Sex is they thing. Like that's the thing that they indulge in to get back to the dream state. That, that was Kendrick's last album, right? He he, he admitted that, you know, that was his, his way of dealing with it and he was damaging his life and his, his family's life and he realized he had an, an issue and he was trying to figure out where it stemmed from. So Because it's the euphoria. It's the euphoria of I'm not really here. I'm not really here. Sex is an escape. It's not. It's just literally being I'm intimate with this person. Like people think it's con some in some issues is conquest and some, you know, you know, you could it's insecurity of feeling not beautiful enough or feeling too beautiful or whatever, right? Sometimes it's that. But the other thing is it's still an escape. It's an escape for that, for however long, what kind of capacity you in, for however long you in the embrace of that other person. And y'all are indulging in this very, very natural primal thing you are not thinking about records 
you're not thinking about people. You're thinking about this feels incredible. It's like a Q-tip, like the Q-tip in your ear. When you hitting that jump the right way, boy, you gone. Like it don't matter what's going on. Phone ringing, you like, hey, oh shit, I can't believe. Like, <laughs> like, or peeing real good. Like you pee real good, you be like, ah, like it's no. <laughs> you're not thinking. <laughs> so in those moments, like you're gone. You're not participating in any of this shit. You just like gone. You're in your own space, and I think that's what drugs and indulgences do when you don't want to and that that's the other part it's like this is fight or flight do you want to confront it or do you not want to confront it like you got to confront it i mean therapy has been the best thing for me over the last six years that i've been doing this that internal work and wanting to do internal work that joint has changed my whole, it's changed my perspective. It's like when I told you earlier, when I was talking to you earlier about the feeling that I was having and being like, yo, that's from therapy. That's like, yo, I don't gotta, I don't gotta be nice. Like that ain't gotta happen. I don't have to be cordial. Who told me, you know I mean? You could rest in those feelings for real. And it's okay. Like I'm, I'm a, you know, even when I'm going through certain things, I'm, I'm going through something right now, you know, and I was just telling my wife, I was like, young, I, I got to go through. And she was like, what you mean? I was like, I'm not, I don't need you to fix it. I'm a fixer, right? I want to fix it. Like if it's soon as something going wrong, right, how can I fix it? I, my scheme had come on, my hustle man had come on. Okay, all right, so look, what I do is I do two consultations and boom, boom, and I got an invoice and I can create this program and I'm trying to fix it, you know what I mean? Whereas, why don't I just go ahead and feel the jump? All right, feel it. Don't fix nothing. Just feel it. And in the feeling of it, it I know I don't like being uncomfortable, but sometimes you just got to go ahead and be uncomfortable. Like, just be uncomfortable. And that's okay. And I, you know, I, and I feel like as artists, as creatives, as these people that make this music, as people that work in this industry, right? Because I think it spans across not just those who create, but also those that work behind the scenes, those that manage, those that, you know, dress, those that do the makeup, those that do hair, those that mix and master and create all of the things around the persona. Right. I think there's a lot of uncomfortability in there. And sometimes it's OK to be uncomfortable as long as you can name exactly why you are uncomfortable. Because once you name it, that makes it. Cause that's why I want to talk to this person. Cause I'm like, yo, why do you feel that way? Let's name it. Cause once you name it, then it's like, oh, now see, it's, and it's two parted to that. You can't act like you ain't named it. Now you can't act like it ain't happened, right? So when I see you tripping, I know exactly what it is. You know exactly what it is, and I'm here to help. Or other people can come in and help. But now we done named it. So now we name it. We know what it is. So you're not trying to, you know, go around hurting yourself because you can't name it. Right. But that's the first part is A is we can name it. And B, we can now either choose to resolve it or choose to ignore it. And in that choice, I don't want to hear no crime. Right. Don't sit up here naming it and seeing it and then be like, I just I had a break because I could. Nah, bro, we already named it. 
you, and you chose to ignore it. Just say you chose to ignore it. It's okay. You wanted to go down home. You ran away. And that's all. That's perfectly fine too. Fear is fine. Anger is fine. The confusion is fine. You know, being, I mean, dude, if, if people could just admit to being shook. Mm. If you could just admit to being shook. I think that's, when I wrote the book, I divulged a very poignant point in my life, which was really, really important for me, is the day I told my man I was shook because of the songs that he was making. And it wasn't I was shook because his songs were better than my songs. I was shook because I was like, oh, this group about to be over. Because these songs are that good. And I'm shook because I'm not doing shit else but this. And you out here making whole ass songs that can go, that's going, right? Now I could have kept all that information to myself and been shook in myself. And then, which probably would have caused me to act a certain way. Or I could go to that person and be like, young, I'm shook because you're my friend. And I never want music business to get in the way of our friendship. And so I confessed to my friend. I was like, dog, I'm shook, dog. Like, this is what it is. And I told him exactly why. I was like, young, these songs fucking fly. I feel like the group could be over. I feel like I ain't doing nothing. You're making these dope ass songs. I'm not making no other songs, but songs for our group. And that's a problem. Not for you. I'm not mad at you at all. I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm ecstatic because I'm a fan of my friend and I want to see my friend prosper and I want to see my friend win. Right. But I can't deny that I'm shook. And that's a good thing for me is to be able to confess that to you because I want you to know that I believe in you so much that you should go ahead and do this and don't worry about me. Don't worry about this group. Don't worry about none of that shit. Go express yourself, man. Win how you win. If it worked, then maybe the group can benefit. Maybe it don't. But I don't ever want you to think that I'll ever hold you back from being the best person that you can be. That to me is great. And I think if we can admit that more in some of these situations, like I don't want to introduce you to such a such because I'm shook you're going to take my spot. Ooh. Can you imagine? Like, people wouldn't be doing some whack shit out here. They wouldn't be doing the shady things they do because they afraid they're going to lose their spot. If you can admit that, that's a, bruh, sis, that's amazing that you can say, I don't really want to do it because, and then do it anyway. Because you know, I know you know because I've seen you do it, and I know because I do it, that it ain't never stopped no check for me to connect nobody. Not at all. Never. Not once. Them dots always reconnect in the craziest way. In crazy ways. I would throw the alley you've been a heartbeat because I know it it, it it's it's crazy. Like, man, interns are now executives. Uh, people I mentor are now running labels. Like it's, the, the, you just never know who's going to be who. And and if you don't make that connect, if you don't make that intro thinking and, and the crazy thing is like the idea of like not making a connect and you don't even have anything for that connect. You just like, because when I need it, then I, it's like, no, like, yo, make the connect and I'll, I'll make a connect in like the most honest way of yo, making the connect. This is who they are. These are the things I'd look out for. 
but I think their intentions are in the right place and they may need some handholding. I'll make that connect all day and I'll CC you on it so you see what I'm saying about you because the goal is to make you better. Exactly. The goal is, and, and I'm not going to connect anybody that doesn't add value to each other, not just one way. So I'm going to be super transparent because I have my faults. You know it. Like, yo, I ain't perfect. Like, you work with me, you know I got my faults. Right. I give everybody the whole story. I'll be like, this is who this person is. I rock with them because they're good people. I don't know how their business is. Mm-hmm. Like, I say that. I don't know how their business is. But, and you in there. Hey. I don't know how your business is, but you're good people. And you do blah, 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 blah. And this is it. And I don't want to be part of this conversation. Yeah. Remove you. Remove I know that. Uh, yo, you do. Yo, so-and-so. Connect. Uh, move me off. Y'all connect. Move directly. me off. Move me off. Y'all can connect directly because it ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah. And what happens 99 to 100% of the time, the people come. Dog, I got. So uh, Afropunk came to D.C. a while ago. Um and uh, they were doing something at the Howard Theater. It was like one of the very few Afropunks that happened at the Howard Theater. Thundercat, uh, Living Color, um, were the people that, were, that they were bringing. Matthew Morgan from Afropunk hit me up. Coke, coming to DC, I need a group that has the most following to open. This is the first time Living Color is going to be playing in a while. We got Thundercat coming. I need the group that's going to have the most following to be there. Um, can you help me curate this joint? I need graffiti artists. I need DJs. Help me out. I was like, bet. I put together the full roster. I was like, if you need, and I put like multiple people. So I was like, if you want graffiti, I need you to have like Shay Love, or you can get a Neocon, or you can get, I can't even remember who else I said, either Ultra or Corey Stowers or somebody else or Kelly Tolls or somebody, right? So I put three folks together to do the art. Then for DJs, I was like, you got Underdog, you got Native Son, you got Main Squeeze. And I can't remember who else I said. Uh, I think it was uh, Kelly uh, Cleveland Brown, right? So I put all these joints together. And I was like, this person does this, this person does this, this person is here, this person at this intersection, this person did Afropunk before, boop, 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 boop. So I broke that down, DJs. Then when it came to groups, I said, Black Alley has the most following, but they're the furthest away from punk. They do a little rock joint, but it's not punk, but it's not go-go. It's a nice little blend, but they got the most following. Redline Graffiti is exactly kind of what you need in that space, but they don't got the people Right. And then I said one other group and then I sent it to Matt. Matt called me. He was like, yo, I really love this. This is discussing. I'm discussing. And he was like, you don't want to open this joint. And I was like, dog, that's not the question you asked me. You asked me who had the most following. I will kill this show. Absolutely. I ain't got the most following. Just let's be honest. Like people would love to see that people would see it. But it ain't going to bring them out. Like, if you got Black Alley to bring it out, it's going to be crazy. But I'm not going to tell you that Black Alley is the end-all, be-all. I'm saying that here's the groups. Oh, I've Red Gold Green. That was the other group. So I said, these are the groups, the most following, Black Alley, second, Red Gold Green, third, Red Line Graffiti. Black Alley got the go-go mix. They're going to have a crowd. It's going to be crazy nutball. You know, Red Gold Green, they're going to bring in VA. It's going to be decent. 
it ain't gonna be the crazy nutball of Black Alley because it don't have a go-go element and you gotta understand the city. And Red Line Graffiti fits exactly what this bill would be put in order to be musically, it'll be insane, right? Red Line Graffiti, Thundercat, then Living Color. Oh my God, that's a great progression, but they ain't gonna bring all the people because they got a following, but it ain't Black Alley following. That dude was like, man, this is the most honest shit anybody has ever done. He was like, you could play the show anytime if you want. I was like, dog, that's not what you asked me. He was like, you know, you could come do Afropunk. You could do it. I was like, I know what I could do. I know the favors I could call in, but that's not what you asked me to do. You asked me to be honest about who I am and not insert myself into the situation. You didn't say that, but that's what I took from it. I'm like, no, you asked me a specific question. I think a lot of times when we get put in these business opportunities, decisions that need to be made, like, man, there's so many people that could get bags if they really would just move themselves out of the way. You know a specific joint reason. I had a whole tech company trying to give away millions of dollars and this Batman would not hit me back. I'm like, yeah. Young, do you understand? Like, young, I'm not out here playing with you, bro. Like, I'm not, and I'm not trying to up dog for the connect you to at least got 10%. At least they want to give you millions of dollars. Like, I'm not even playing. The tech company is like, how can we reach this dude? How? Because we want to give them millions of dollars to do that because this is exactly what we're trying to do. And all I needed was you to call me back so you could connect the dot. And I wasn't asking you to leave the picture. I was like, connect the dot and put yourself in the invoice. And you don't hit me back. It's like the joint which you was telling me about the check waiting for somebody. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I got a whole check for you. You don't want to hit me back? Why you don't want to hit me back? Uh, okay. Like, I just was like... All right. Now, I ended up hitting that organization directly and their answer was goofy. So I was like, maybe it's best that it didn't go down. But Jesus, why would you put yourself? Why would you do that? Like, you don't know, you know, and I say this, you know, I don't piss on nobody. It goes back to the whole intern drink. I don't pee on the ladder. There's no need to pee on the ladder. I've never peed on the ladder on the way up. And I feel like it's up, right? I got connections to a decent amount of people. I could make some phone calls and some things could happen. Like, and that's high, high place and that's low, low places, right? It's not a problem. But don't try to judge it based on what you, your perception of who I am. Like, nah, I'm not over at all the parties with you. Nah, I'm not in the room with that person 100% of the time. But the room that they want to get into, I'm already in. Like, I'm in the room they want to get into. Y'all in the room partying. Like, y'all popping bottles and in this room and y'all in Miami and y'all over here and y'all over there. That's cool. But the room you really want to be in? Oh, I could walk in that room anytime. That's my room. Like, that's everybody in that room is the homie. And they love me because I never tried to get in the room. I wasn't doing anything to get in the room. They was just like... We got some room. You want to come over here? I'll be like, sure. I can hang out. You want to drink? Yeah. Well, we doing it in this room. All right. Like, that's the room you want to be in. That's the room your people want to be in. I'm sitting over there waiting. Like, young, I wish you would just hit me back so you can come over to this room. I know you wouldn't be in this room. Like, I know you. 
this is where I, I want to make the play for you to be in the room, but you goofy. You too goofy to even see that I'm already sitting over here in this room. That's the crazy part. And having that access. I told you I'm, I'm, I'm working on this thing to, to start this fund. It's amazing. Looking at A, the lack of black people in tech. B, the lack of black money in tech. Right? And just seeing that void and, and then trying to make this, I just came, I just, dog, I just designed a whole grant. It ain't even out yet. It'll be out uh, next year, first quarter next year. You'll see it. I came up with a new name, like uh, 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 an amalgamation of name to go together. And this is going to be a yearly grant and it's giving away $250,000 to, to 10 artists. We're going to give 10 artists 25K each to reimagine some stuff like every year. Like, yeah. And that's from a company that wants to, that, that's a tech company. But they were like, yo, can you help us design this grant? And I'm like, you need a grant for artists because artists really need to be stood up like visual. And, and we're not, you know, we're not limiting the discipline. So you can make music, you can make film, you can do dance, you could do, you know, sound art, you could do, you know, 2D art, 3D art, NFTs, whatever. And it's just out there for you to get 25K to do your work. As long as, you know, just around this idea. Son, like, that's a minimum amount that I got connections to. But you can't, I can't make you, like, that's the part, I can't make you recognize value and and you know you can't you can't um make people do that either right and so even for somebody who is now successful who views themselves as successful who is now living in the reality that there's so many spaces in between all that shit like from your dream into the reality of it now you into this new business you in this business and everybody looking at you like you're a star bro you we need to talk just so you can be grounded. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I appreciate you and our text group for is I feel like it keeps me grounded. I feel like when I'm at my all time highs, that group will keep me grounded. When I'm at my all time lows, it'll lift me up. And that's, that's super important to have those people. And that's why I added those two words of, of mentor and teacher, because I feel like you are that for many. Um, and the people that you help, the, the, the people who go to you for guidance and for opinion and for help uh, are everything from Grammy winners and, and multimillionaires and then people who have, you know, multi-million dollar tech companies to artists just starting out and, and folks who are trying to navigate their way. So you obviously are a unique soul and, and needed. Uh, by the time this comes out, this would have been our book of the month. So I'm going to go ahead and put it out there in the tech. So uh, we're going to do a book club with 24 seven artists and you are catch up will be the first. Um, so we'll be doing another event around that. What I'll do is I'll, I'll give people the time to get the book, start reading it. We'll probably do like a chapter reading or something online and then uh, have people ask questions because I just I feel the whole concept. Too. Like I, oh, yeah. I get on planes. <laughs> I, I know you. I know you get on planes every time. I'm on on planes. Planes. I'm like, where, where is this dude now? Where, where is going? We'll pull up wherever. 
Oh, but I love the concept of you are ketchup. When Davina read it, she was like, oh, I get it. You are ketchup. Like, so, I, I, you know, I'm not going to give too much away. I want people to get the book. We'll, we'll put an ad in this for sure. A couple ads in this. Um, this is the longest podcast we've done to date. Oh, damn. And I'm excited because it's full of gems. It won't be the last time. We got a few more to do. Um, I, I just want to, you know, I, I gave you flowers in the beginning, but I want to wrap it with that, man. Like, Coke, you are a one of one. Thank you, brother. Your your experiences and your ability to translate your experiences into knowledge and a path for others is something that if more people did, not just in our industry, but I think in any industry, there will just be more successful people as you've defined it, right? Not successful as we see it, but successful and like people happy doing what they do and what they love daily. So hopefully there are more people who aspire to be like you. I aspire to be more like you and you've definitely helped me kind of say, okay, you do like, yo, you got to really lean into this part of it. And like I said, if it's not for our convo on Instagram, the text messages and our calls, I don't even have the guts you know, a to say, yo, man, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to be out there. Like, I'm in, like, <laughs> terrifying. Me. Like, you, you talk about saying you scared. Like, yo, I was terrified to do this, but having people like you, like, nah, bro, it's needed. Gave me the 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 encouragement. And now, because two out of three people in our chat group have a book, I'm officially gonna put it out there that I got to start writing my book because yes, I can't sir. I can't be the only one in the group without yes, on a and your joint. This is clean, bro. Like this design, I love it. I absolutely love like Diane Holden. Diane Holden was uh, the person that put that whole visual together. Yeah, it's, it's just really well done, and and I know that the the Yak convos, the Yak tour is is gonna take off davina now is standing here with with the other oh come on yeah go ahead stop it what up okay first of all let me just say she got her own copy that's how that's how i I don't want him to touch mine because i write my books (laughs) reading this book if you know if people know you and know dc slang you read it excuse me in that way one of the best storytellers ever like i can visualize everything that you're saying in this book and then also you are a whole fool just <laughs> bruh like said, thank you thank, thank the, you the way you explain things in the book and just in real life i'm always cracking up and i have google ready at all times because your wordplay is impeccable thank you and then the classic i've ordered a second copy because this one is in my nook and i don't want to open it and then the other one i'll play you didn't know that till now just let you know because i'm always ordering something the the vm vmp charge like who who ordered vinyl so yes this and the album itself is actually very beautiful whoever did this cover too did you do this no that's lindy canan it's a young lady out of um seattle who uh, was found by tone deaf, but we we had a couple of visual people to come through, and then we saw Lindy's work, and I was like, "Yo, she is so amazing." She's on Instagram, Lindy Canan. I got to find her thing. I'll, I'll send you the, the IG. But yeah, she's but this old beast though. Yeah, this cover is just amazing. I'm a, a cover junkie, so this one yeah. is amazing. I just wanted to say we I, love the guy. We that's were my really twinsie. That's my birthday, y'all. Sagittarius. Sagittarius. 
AKA the, cra- <laughs> AKA the crazies, the my two Sagittarius in my life who are the, yo, I got a crazy idea, but hear me out. That's what y'all are. <laughs> hey, hey, Slim, I think I'm going to start a fund. Like, what? We with it. <laughs> like that's the joint. We be like, oh word, that's what you want to do. Mm. Y'all be having combos in your own head. Like, you know what? I think I'm gonna do this. Hey, you do. I'm gonna do this. Like, what? Like, where did that? But y'all do it every. Like, this Man. was a text message. This was a random. Hey, bro, I think I'm gonna write a book. I'm now holding said book. Like, so I, I love it, man. I'm, I'm inspired by you. Thank you. I love to see you, you family. The love is, is, is deep and strong and, and happy to have you be a part of this. This is not the last, we got a lot more to do. Um, any parting words for the young next Kokai that's out there, male, female, whatever they are, that is, uh, taking their first journey, taking their steps onto their journey. Look, Slim, everybody don't have the answers. Just keeping it a bean. Some people got the answer. Some people don't like take it all in, take all the information that you can parse that John out uh, the best way that you possibly can as it applies to your life. Right. Because everybody's stories ain't for you. Right. Some pieces of that story are for you. Some people, some pieces of that story for somebody else. Uh, don't let nobody uh, skunk you out your position or talk you out your position or make you quit. Um, the only difference between you and somebody that's successful is they didn't quit. You quit. So stop quitting. It's simple as that. Like the formula is not hard. Like just if you make records and you want to keep making records, keep making records. Nobody said you got to quit making records. Like you might not sell as many records as you think you're going to sell. Right. You th- the records might not be mixed the way you want them to be mixed or mastered the way you want them to be mastered or even to the audience or not on the label or all this other extra extemporaneous stuff that ain't got nothing to do with you making music. Go make the music. Like, I got mad albums that I could put out. I'm just persnickety, right, about what I'm going to put out. But I got them. It ain't like they don't exist. I still make them. I'm just persnickety. So you ain't got to be persnickety. You could just do you and just put them Jones out because right now, TuneCore, uh, United Masters, um, who them other people? All them people, they out here. Like Discord, Discog, whatever, whatever them people are. This junkie, I don't know the Bamas. But <laughs> what I'm saying is it's opportunities and ways to release your music into the streaming platform. 100,000 records go up on streaming platforms every day. That means somebody out here, 100,000 people, is putting out records every day. 100,001 ain't gonna hurt nobody. So go ahead and be that one. I love it. That's that's great words to end on. Kokai, I love you, brother. I will, too, man. I will forever be indebted to you for the knowledge and wisdom you've dropped on me and Same, hopefully... Brother others tap in and, and soak up some of this game saying man you know, you know i hold you in high regard bro like that is not i don't blow smoke and i don't give people flowers that don't deserve them um you have been a great inspiration to me personally uh a great help to me and my family um and you know i don't need no check to say all the good shit about you that i believe in, in you uh, but the check the check is on the way I ain't worried about that. <laughs> but I believe in you, uh, and I believe in everything that you're doing, and you know me. I'm I'm loyal, so I'm down for whatever. How we gotta make this work? I'm ready to uh, open up these these uh, bungalows in Liberia, yeah. and Ghana. I'm yeah. trying to sit by the seaside in Ghana and go ahead and make these records. Oh man, I, 
Speak it, speak it, speak it. Oh, brother, it's coming. Yes, so, sir. Let's get it. All right, bro. <laughs> love you, man. Much love to you, brother. You and the fam. Be good. Yes, sir.